Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Monday, August 22nd, and that means it's Media Monday. I'm joined by John Kelly to talk about CNN's decision to fire media reporter Brian Stelter and end his show, Reliable Sources. It's one of the biggest signs yet that the network is trying to turn down the volume from the constant emergencies of the Trump years. What does it say about where CNN's new owners want to take the company? We'll hear about all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Hey guys, it's Peter. I travel all the time, especially in an election year. And as we all know, what luggage you choose matters. Briggs & Riley is my personal favorite because their luggage performs. It's extremely durable, has amazing features that make packing and getting around easier, and they have the best lifetime guarantee in the industry. If your bag is ever broken or damaged, they will repair it free of charge. No proof of purchase needed, no questions asked, even if an airline damages your bag. All features were created to address customer pain points for a better travel experience. They're extremely durable with rigorous testing and premium materials to last for life. And one thing I love, they're supremely smooth, shock-absorbing wheels for easy gliding through your travels through whatever airport you're zooming through. And hot off the press, the Simpatico collection of hard-sided luggage. It's new and improved and just launched on BriggsRiley.com. That's Briggs-Riley.com. It has the new one-touch feature, which allows you to expand your luggage, pack it, and then compress it to its original size. So a carry-on can still fit in the overhead compartment, and that's just one of the new features. It's available in black, navy, and olive. So check out all the Briggs and Riley offerings at Briggs-Riley.com. That's Briggs-Riley.com. Happy Monday, everyone, uh, from wherever you're listening. Uh, Nantucket, Mykonos, <laughs> the Hamptons. <laughs> hope you're enjoying the dog days of summer, you puck listeners. Um, because it's Monday, I'm joined by the boss man, John Kelly, for Media Monday. John, how you doing? How was your weekend? Um, good, Peter. I can't believe the summer's almost over, but um, no better way to start the week than seeing you in what looks like a Beverly Hills Hotel bungalow, but maybe I'm wrong. Thank you. Uh, I'm recording this from our guest room, and there, we have some vibey wallpaper in our guest room. Thanks for the compliment. Um, <laughs> so the big news in media uh, that we're going to talk about today broke at the end of last week, which is... Uh, Brian Stelter, host of Reliable Sources on CNN. I believe he'd been hosting the show for nine years. That show started in the 90s, I believe, as a way to examine how the media was covering the Gulf War, yeah. uh, hosted by Bernard Kalb, brother of Marvin Kalb. Um, so the show's been around for a while. They didn't just fire Brian. They canceled the show. And I think this says a lot about the direction of CNN uh, and the way Chris Licht wants to take it, the larger corporate currents sort of lording over CNN. John, what was your first reaction to, to Brian being fired from CNN? You know, uh, it's so interesting, Peter. So last week on Wednesday night, I got a, a text from Dylan saying that he, he had a really, really good tip that Stelter had just been fired. And I sort of instantly couldn't believe it and yet totally understood it. Ever since John Malone, the very powerful chairman of Discovery, made a very public comment many, many months ago. After, November, last November. Yeah, last November, right. So after Warner Brothers and the Warner Media Assets and Discovery had been locked together and, and they were going through this extraordinary you know, vetting and diligence period, Malone 
who probably has like sort of, you know, uh, rich guy, big sky politics, said that he he hoped CNN would return to its nothing but the facts, ma'am, Ted Turner era, breaking news style, non-opinionated journalism. And it's impossible to overstate how much that penetrated the psyche of Zucker era CNN. Like that, that came up all the time in the Zucker Golas Thunderdome. And it put a real chill on people. After Zucker was gone and, and that layer of protection ended, I think that people like Stelter and Acosta really did feel that they were vulnerable. Um, and I think to an extent that that outsiders didn't quite realize, you know, to break the fourth wall, like disclosure time. Uh, I know Brian a little bit. I used to work with him at the Times. I think you probably used to work with him at CNN. I think he's very a very well-liked guy in this industry. And he came to the Puck office party a couple, about a month ago, and, and he seemed like sort of generous and gregarious, but also a little edgy. And I just thought, oh, that's, you know, maybe Brian's having a bad day. But I wonder if internally he felt this coming, a long time coming, that is. And I also imagine that there must be a real chill there. I don't think that Brian Stelter in the grand scheme of things is going to save CNN a ton of money. You know, we talk all the time on this show about David Zaslov and Gunnar Wiedenfels, his you know, hatchet man CFO, going through these P&Ls, just looking to like redline things. Like Reliable Sources is a show, I don't know who, you know, maybe it was the most rated, highly rated uh, Sunday show on CNN. What does that really mean? It didn't have a huge staff. This was not like nuking CNN Plus, where they're saving a half a billion dollars. This sure looked personal. This sure looked like a blood sacrifice to, to quote Logan Roy to um, the altar of, of John Malone, although I'm sure these are all very smart people that he was not involved in any way. But it seemed like in order for Warner Brothers Discovery to reposition CNN as a truly centrist seeming brand, Brian was just inconsistent with that vision. And my God, I can only imagine what people are talking about inside that building right now about who else may be uh, inconsistent with that messaging. This is a thought I had yesterday, too. I worked at CNN from 2005 to 2015. Brian started in 2013 and, you know, went through the usual transition, I think successfully, from print guy transitioning to TV guy. And I had to get some batting practice. Um, <laughs> but he worked his ass off. Sarah Fisher sort of tweeted this or wrote about it yesterday in Axios that, like, he had a newsletter. He worked all the time. He was always online. He... And by the way, like climbed his way up from like a college kid running the TV newser blog back in the day. Oh, absolutely. Oh my God, totally. You know, I was interested to see the show get canceled too, though, because I think it did become a little tarnished in, in recent years because it just became too political. It wasn't like, we don't live in this era anymore, but it wasn't this sort of dry, sober analysis of what interesting trends in the media or what happened this week at the New York Times or what happened in like this local market. It just became sort of, reductive in a lot of ways. It was pointing at Fox and saying, Fox is bad. Fox is lying to you. Fox, Fox sucks. Fox, Fox, Fox. And it didn't much address other interesting trends, at least for me in media. For example, every single week they talked about how trusted media was down and it's because Trump is attacking the media. Fake news, fake news, fake news. Rarely addressed on that show was the fact that trusted media has declined among independents and Democrats substantially. Rarely addressed on that show were failures of the rest of the media and things that needed to be scrutinized and analyzed in mainstream press. And rarely addressed on that show was the fact that CNN was the culprit of a lot of um, of really shitty journalism during that era. And, and, and that's what he 
is totally um, being defenestrated for was that there was a consensual sort of hallucination, I think, among many people at CNN at that time that it appeared as though they believed they were performing God's work. And it didn't totally like align with the fact that it was just a much more complicated, nuanced conversation, frankly, than what you can have on, on cable news. And I think Brian got uh, his hand caught in the cookie jar a couple times beating the, his chest uh, in the name of democracy. When Jeff Zucker came in, one of my colleagues at CNN at the time, I think astutely observed that Zucker hired Brian. He hired Bill Carter from the New York Times, who at the time was still, I guess, creating journalism. I don't know what he's doing now. Yeah, he was he was larger than life for a certain time. And my colleague was like, it feels like Jeff is sort of taking potential critics off the playing field and bringing them in-house. And so suddenly you had three or four media writers from out in the world coming in-house at CNN and rarely addressing what you just said, which is problems with CNN. Even in Brian and now Oliver Darcy's newsletter, they would frequently point at other news organizations and other news networks pointing out what they did wrong. But, you know, when the Cuomo stuff was going down, he was curiously silent on a lot of that stuff for a long time. But even also when, like, Governor Cuomo was going on Chris Cuomo's show at CNN, like, if that happened at Fox... Stelter would have covered it for months and they were sort of just like not talked about. Um, And there's a corollary to all of this, which is, and this goes back to the TV newser days, I think. Um, Brian, and he wrote, wrote that book, the morning show Mm -hmm. or what's, what was it called? Top of the morning. The one top of the morning. And then the, the, the Apple TV show is morning show based on that. Brian loves TV news. Yeah. Loves TV news. And CNN is at the heart of that. He loves he like looked up to Jeff Zucker. And so like that just made him fundamentally have some blinders on to the faults of television news and a sort of like reluctance to criticize TV news sometimes. And then also like when he talked about media, and this is a problem with media criticism and media writing generally these days, it was a lot of sort of like industry stuff. So-and-so is leaving here. So-and-so is taking over this company. But like, the field of view felt very narrow and too narrow for my definition of media, which is podcasts, creators, trends that political campaigns are adopting to reach people, like what the platforms are doing, and not just disinformation. There was a lot of stuff out there in the world. Media means so much. And it just it felt like often that show became what's happening at The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, NBC, CBS, ABC, CNN. Fox News, especially. And that just got kind of boring to me after a while. You know, know, it's funny, Peter, as you're talking about all that, um, I knew Brian in 2013. That was the era that I worked with him when he he got this job. And on some level, I've often been reminded of that old Mark Wahlberg, Jennifer Aniston movie, Rockstar. It's like 20 years old at this point, about this sort of garage band lead singer who ends up actually like joining the band that he uh, has been covering. That was kind of the authentic joy of Brian. Like, he had such a reverence for the people in this art. He, he, he was a new media guy, but he was in love with the art of broadcast news and, and the history of it. And you almost went sort of from seeing him like go from being the person pressed against the glass to him being on the other side of the glass. And there was a perception, as you said, that he was sort of Zucker's in-house media opera. I don't think that's that's fair, but I think it was absolutely a perception. And that proximity to Zucker, I think, is in the end part of why this went down this way. I'm sure that he tried to make it work with Chris Licht. I've heard a lot of stories about how he he, he really did, but that there was not a real inner 
personal chemistry, or maybe that wasn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of reciprocity there. So sometimes this is just the way you move on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there was certain talent to hitch their wagon to Zucker's star and it burned brightly and then it burned out. And then there's other reporters at CNN who have survived through many, 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 many yeah. presidents of CNN. John King, Dana Bash, Wolf Blitzer, uh, you know, just because they stick to the news and don't step, don't fly too close to the sun. Yeah, and, oh, you sure. know, um, the one other thing I want to say before I, we go to a quick break is like Dylan reported that Brian was seen sort of leaving Chris Lick's office looking ashen faced. I, if Brian's listening, would like to say, and I say this to a lot of people that work in TV news, um, it's fine on the other side. It's totally fine, man. As someone who has left and is on the other side now, it is easy to get addicted to the hamster wheel of TV news and get the dopamine rush every day when you're breaking news, when you're on TV, it feels like the center of the universe. CNN is not the center of the universe. <laughs> Fox, CNN, or CBS, NBC, MSNBC, not the center of the universe. If you are fired, if your contract is not renewed, if you walk away, to all of my fellow TV news people, life is fine on the other side. There is so much opportunity and you will be fine. So anyway, that's an important thing to point out. Um, when we come back, I want to talk to John about the corporate overlords of CNN and what this decision means for the direction of the network. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am. I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad Bed Cooling System is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for powers that be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.com dot me slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep you're creating a better life quick math the less your business spends on operations on multiple systems on delivering your product or service the more margin you have and the more money you keep but with higher expenses on materials employees distribution and borrowing everything costs more so to reduce costs and headaches smart businesses are graduating to netsuite by oracle 
NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash powers that be. netsuite.com slash powers that be. That's netsuite.com slash powers that be. Welcome back, everyone. John, you mentioned that um, John Malone, I think he went on CNBC or Fox Business, I forget, back in November and said he just wants CNN to be a little more centrist. <laughs> what does this Stelter decision signal to you about where they might go from here? Are they going to um, kill certain shows? Are they going to get rid of certain anchors? Or are they just going to sort of turn the volume down on the editorial? I'm so conditioned by the experience I had in the magazine industry coming into it at the, at the very beginning of its of its demise. And so I feel like I have a certain pattern recognition for for these moments when huge industries just get steadily less huge and the egos in them get less and less huge. And the transition is painful. I mean, it is, uh, you just see the, the, the glass ceiling lowering and lowering and lowering. So what is happening here is CNN is going to make less money almost every year, just in a, you know, in, in secular decline. It'll live off the um, affiliate retransmission fees and, and it'll still make hundreds of millions in advertising. I mean, it's, it's still, it's a, you know, nearly billion dollar profitable business. But long-term, the projections are that it'll it'll go down and it'll get smaller. And part of the difference between what's going on, you know, in the Zaslav world and what happened in Zucker world is that in the Zucker C-suite at CNN, they thought CNN could have an enlarging footprint. They could create CNN Plus. They could have their own streaming service. And Zaslav is saying, no, 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 in the future, it'll be smaller and we're not going to be able to pay an anchor of a modestly viewed Sunday media chat show, you know, a seven-figure salary. Over time, CNN will increasingly look like a much more credible cheddar. You will see more hosts hosting multiple hours of programming, and those hosts will be grateful for their job. Yeah, I was, I was also interested to see that Chris Licht brought in Ryan Cadro to, I believe the title is like head of content strategy, which is sounds pretty all-encompassing, you know. Uh, and and Cadro, I, I like him a lot. He worked with Chris at CBS, I, I believe. And then he also sort of dabbled in Quibi. And so he's got like, at least not that Quibi was a success in any way, but like it exposed him to how sort of digital media works and mobile works and how to think about content for the phone and the business side of that world. Um, and he's also going to be having a hand in, in reshaping the morning show at CNN. And so you understand the sort of business mechanics more than I do, but it just feels like a continuation of what we've seen from Chris Licht so far, which is just turning the volume down on the constant alarmism. When the Brian News leak last week, I saw a bunch of tweets from people on the left who were like, CNN is, shouldn't be trying to appeal to Republicans. Like they don't care about facts anymore. A lot of Republicans, like not as much as used to, but like a lot of Republicans do watch CNN, a lot of independents watch CNN, a lot of Democrats watch Fox. And like, it's a very sort of narrow, Acela corridor, blue bubble, Twitter groupthink thing to say that we need to give up on 
middle America or give up on the middle or even like the center right because they don't care anymore. I think a lot of the reason that trust in media has declined, again, isn't just because Trump's pointing the finger at the news and calling them fake news. It's because the cable news media, CNN and MSNBC in particular during the Trump years were like the boy who cried wolf. It was always like an 11 alarm fire. Things aren't always a crisis, you know? And like, I think that Licht is trying to just get back to more like calling balls and strikes and not just being like every single thing out there in the world is absolutely a crisis every hour of every day. And that I think has been more of the problem with CNN. Yeah, Kedro is coming in to try and fix the morning, uh, apparently. Zucker tried to fix the morning when he first got there, proved very hard. Maybe it's different now um, with ratings expectations being much lower. I, I, I agree with you that they'll, they'll probably put together a morning show that's less expensive, just has to like rate basically decently and, and will be a sort of simulacrum of CBS this morning where you get like educated people talking about issues. It's all at a, at a low decibel level and it's a lot less expensive to produce. I think you will see the, the Zaslavian arts of low budget expectations. And if it's successful, they'll absolutely adapt that throughout. One of the considerations that is under-examined here is just the extraordinary financial pressure that Warner Brothers Discovery is under at, at a parent level. It, it is excruciatingly serious, 50 plus billion in debt. And this leadership team absolutely has made a covenant to investors and, and Wall Street analysts that they are going to work on managing it and producing you know, certain uh, EBITDA numbers that they've already downgraded in 2023. At the end of the day, we are definitely like crying wolf over Brian Stelter leaving. But David Zaslav and his management team have such extraordinarily challenging goals. And Chris Lick, CN, CEO, he signed up to ride with that pirate ship. <laughs> Managing this operation much more efficiently, it is the future. And I think anyone who thinks like, wow, I wonder what's next. Uh, they're fooling themselves. Like it will be more and more and more of this until they find a way to operate it with extraordinary efficiency. And it's hard to imagine anything like what we expected have seen in the past to be what it looks like in five or six years. Yeah, if Zaslav is willing to kill CNN Plus and Batgirl, <laughs> um, the writing is on the wall. John, have a great week, man. I will see you as always in the Slack. See you there, Peter. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, and Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13. 